This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Juice Analytics. Juice is a company behind Juicebox, a new kind of platform for presenting data. It's a platform designed to deliver easy-to-read, interactive data applications and dashboards. Juicebox turns your valuable analyses into a story for everyday decision makers. For more information on Juicebox or to schedule a demo, visit juiceanalytics.com. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. Very excited today to have my good friend, Jim Vallandingham, on the show all the way from the West Coast. Jim? Yes, I'm very excited to be here. Thanks so much, John. Yeah, well, this is, thanks, this is uh, great. I'm glad, you, uh, I'm glad you could get up early. And, uh, oh, yeah. And come I'm up show. every day. <laughs> so let's, um, well, let's dive into uh, a few things you've been working on over the last few months. You're now at Boku. Yes, I'm an I'm a open web engineer. And uh, data visualization, you know, engineer at Boku. Nice. Uh, Boku uh, is a consultancy group that they've been around since 2009. They do some really great work, and uh, I'm part of the data visualization team there that uh, Irene Ross is leading. And we are all about data analysis and visualization and interaction. And uh, we've been able to do some really cool stuff. So let's talk about some of the cool stuff. Okay. I think there's two projects I want to talk about a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, there's the Moibio Framework, which Moibio is framework. with Santiago Ortiz. Yeah. And then there's the Voyager Project. So do you yeah. want to talk about each of those a little bit, and then we can yeah. dive in? That would be great. Um, yeah, Santiago uh, has been working on various iterations of the Moibio Framework for you know f- three or four or five years. If you've ever seen any of his work, uh, it's almost all done out of uh, various incantations or in, car- in, in you know varieties of mm-hmm. of this framework, um, but this was the time where they wanted to kind of uh, get it prepared, get it out of his head and, and into uh, a spot where other people could try it out and play with it and learn from it. So it was a really exciting experience. It was part you know kind of understanding the code base as it was, mm-hmm. uh, part cleaning up the the code and and organizing it and get it to a spot where other people could find stuff and then adding a lot of documentation and testing and and support around that. Um, So I think we did a good uh, job with that preparation. Taking a step back, if you haven't seen the the framework, it's kind of, uh, it's almost, it has some parallels to um, processing JS and also some, some new stuff. So it's all about um, data transformations, getting your data into the right type, mm-hmm. and with that right type, then you can uh, start uh, visualizing it. So it has kind of a canvas-based um, drawing library built on top of that, the, the data types that you can create. Does it allow you to manipulate the data within the framework itself? Yeah, so you typically, you ha- if you start out with like a, an array, you can turn that into a list or a table, mm-hmm. and they, they kind of work a little bit like stuff that you might find in R or Python's pandas package, um, wherein you operate on the table, you know, kind of in a in a vectorized fashion, or the or the list more than um, uh, once once you have that the array in that in that setup. What's the value, or w- what does this framework give mm-hmm. uh, people that JavaScript or processing or some of the other tools don't? Yeah, don't give you? well, it's it's written in JavaScript, so it's it's not. I don't think it's a competitor. It's mm-hmm. it's more of like um, 
a system that has worked well for Santiago, right? And so could work well for other people. Gotcha. Um, it it's got it it, it does um, do a lot of stuff around speed. So making sure that um, the the rendering to the canvas is really fast. It also has a very interesting model around uh, interactions. So if you ever worked with uh, canvas stuff uh, interaction you know like knowing what you're clicking on and and where the mouse is can be a, a problem the uh the tooling around the mobile framework allows you to get a return value from like when you draw a circle then you can check to see if this the mouse is over that circle at that at that point in time mm-hmm. and then uh deal with or you know change change the the visualization based on that that knowledge right so it's all kind of baked into the 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 drawing primitives themselves as opposed to a separate system. I see. So do you view it as a system that anyone can sort of jump into and use, or is it sort of more for the more sophisticated user or the, or the user who's trying to build sort of more customized things the way Santiago? Yeah, I think it's for, I don't think it's necessarily going to appeal to everybody. Mm -hmm. I think this is the foundational groundwork for some much bigger plans that they have. Right. Um, what she alluded to at the OpenVizConf, uh, the the Lichen project, which is using uh, the Mobile framework to create a completely visual, non non programming kind of environment where you connect you connect your data and you connect your visualization kind of by a drag and drop method, which is really cool and exciting. But this is kind of the underlying foundation that helps power some of that that capability. Right. Uh, but but it's it's now available. You know. Separate from the Lycan project, the Lycan project is not quite out yet um, as a public entity. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, you can start trying out some of the uh, interactions, some of the uh, conversions that that Movio framework offers. Yeah, it's on GitHub. When Boku or when you put things on GitHub, this type of project, for example, yeah. on GitHub, are you trying to work with people? To, yeah, to further so developers are just like here it is go off on your oh, own yeah. or are you are you really trying to like interact with people and, and develop it that, further that was that was a big part of of this engagement was how to how to start building that community around this and mm-hmm. so that's yeah it's it's a it's you know a surprisingly tough problem to to tackle and and so it took a lot of work around um getting getting the infrastructure there getting the support there you know crossing the uh, T's and such about who was going to uh, be supporting this after Boku uh, left it, but yeah. uh, officially, but, but yeah, we're, we're still there. We're watching the, the, um, the issues and the, uh, the con- contributions from uh, externally. And I think it's starting to get a little bit of traction. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's a lot about um, getting documentations, getting examples up. You know, we are certainly inspired by the success of D3 in terms of, um, how the paradigm of of a large body of examples can can work wonders for wow. um so we're nowhere near in terms of the number of examples or our demos but we have kind of the start of that um as a as a showing of of what's possible with the, the framework and we have a cool uh, demo reel which everybody likes yeah that's good music you know <laughs> yeah. i enjoyed it you know yeah i was that's nodding the, my head that's garage band for you there it is you can, you can make whatever you need <laughs> Um, so I want to talk about Voyager, but but let me sidetrack for a second and talk uh-huh. about talk about Git and talk about GitHub because you have a really nice set of posts on okay. how to use Git. I think. Yeah. Um, so what was the um, inspiration for writing that set of posts? 
Well, this was in in a lot of my uh, work. I've been promoting the use of collaborative tools like Git and GitHub um, to various degrees of success, and mm-hmm. so we we saw another opportunity to um, provide kind of an example workflow uh, that that could be used for uh, groups, small groups that um, that are perhaps familiar with the basics of Git or have have dabbled in it a little bit, but as an individual. Mm-hmm. but need to now figure out how to work together without going crazy. Um, right. And so this, yeah, this series of posts kind of is derived from um, some of the work that we did with Santiago and just kind of uh, codifying it into a, a bunch of blog posts um, that that go over just a way. You know, that's the problem with some of these technologies is there's a thousand ways to do something. You don't know if you're doing it the right way. And there is no right way, but uh, there are suggestions or um, processes that you can use that that hopefully um, make it so that people actually stick with it. You know, right? Uh, where the the benefits outweigh the complexities involved in 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 incorporating something as sophisticated as Git into your in your day to day workflow. Because yeah, it's it's not um, necessarily straightforward. It's not easy. When you're first getting started with Git or or any collaborative you know uh, tool, right? Um, and figuring out how to how to use it with the least amount of friction, without having too much magic, so that when something when problems arise because they will, yep, that you you'll know what's going on enough that you can figure it out. Yeah, there's sort of a lot of lingo that I see. A lot of people sort of have this. There's like this barrier yeah. entry to sort of understanding yeah. the lingo and the yeah, the vocabulary is one yeah one thing that we wanted to start breaking down yeah and it, you know it's it's a work you know it's I think we do an okay job like um, feature branches you know gets it's the term gets thrown around a lot right. but yeah if you if you're coming in this without knowing what that is then you're already you're yeah you're you're gonna get stopped there right and so we we the yeah the start of this is attempting to kind of demystify mm-hmm. some of that. And bring it down to, you know, what what are what are we actually talking about? It's just it's just a you know a branch and and going over what branches are in Git and right. and how how they're useful and why they're useful. Now you've like um, worked in a variety of different sectors, really. You've worked um, yeah. in like the healthcare sort of sector. You've worked in the in the corporate sector. Now sort of the open. Uh, viz open data sector <laughs> with Poku. So when it comes to when it comes to these uh-huh. collaboration tools, what are the differences you've seen from people in those different sectors? Well, you know, I think it's I don't know if it's a sector based so much uh-huh. as just an individual. Okay. Uh, so you know, I think kind of a common theme in, in a lot of the the environments that I've worked in is that there isn't uh, a strict hierarchical authority coming down from. Uh, above, at least in terms of of workflows and and processes that get used uh, from the the technical side. So mm-hmm. uh, most places aren't saying you have to use Git and you have to use it this way and X Y Z. I you know I think those environments are are definitely there mm-hmm. and maybe that's the more common. But in my experiences, it's been more around you know we have a, a group of individuals with various backgrounds and experiences. And how how and they need to learn to work together. We need to learn to work together. And so I've had, you know, people who who don't want to use Git at all. They don't see the benefit and and enjoy the you know version one, version two, version three, yeah. uh, copy and paste you know system. And and 
so trying to you know typically unsuccessfully um, motivate them to, to to switch around, uh, and then we you know we got other people that have experienced uh, you know other version control systems for example SVM yep. SVN um, and and want to use you know don't see the benefit of moving from their tools or you know uh, want to use the new tools like the old tools and that that kind of stuff, uh, which is all valid you know yeah. uh, valid things and that's that's the uh, the the give and take of of these kinds of tools where um, they are useful but but also complicated and can and can add additional friction to your your processes if you if you don't know what's going on right and there's an upfront cost that people yeah. may not want to learning learning yeah, yeah. Learning. learning stuff learning is hard <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's talk about some tools so. Um, let's talk about Voyager, uh, right. another project you guys did with uh, Jeff Hare, right? At, uh, yeah, at Jeff Washington. And, and Ham and, and Dom and, and you know, to be fair, they they did almost all the work. You know, we're not we're not trying to swoop in and say, hey, this is our project or right. anything. This is a great existing academic uh, work that was done uh, in Hare's lab um, by some very talented developers and and visualiza- visualization experts in their own field, right? Right. Um, we were fortunate to be able to work with them with uh, the help from a night uh, 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 prototyping uh, grant, right. um, and we kind of came in with the idea that we knew we, you know, there was something very interesting about this tool, uh, but we wanted to improve it in in ways so that uh, new users or people not from the academic world would be more familiar, more likely to try to try it out, and also that. If we could improve the speed and and the size of the data sets that it that it could handle, then that would be kind of a a, a win win. Right. And so, uh, Voyager, is comes at the kind of the idea that you it combines a a um, set of best practices for for visualizing data with a recommendation system, which is kind of a very interesting concept. Right. Uh, where you throw in your data set and it starts generating. Um, recommended graphs, recommended visualizations, with the idea that you're trying to see as much of the data at one time mm-hmm. and uh, as possible, so you don't get stuck in a local minima of of exploring, but you you rather allow it to show you kind of the breadth and the width of the data, but still cluing it into onto what you think is important. So you can click on uh, a particular column in your data set, and it'll start regenerating uh, more graphs that uh, include that column plus other other columns mm-hmm. and transformations of those other columns. So the the demo, when you start it up, uh, I'm sure you'll add the link. I sure when will. You, yeah. <laughs> when you start it up, uh, you get the uh, kind of a classic data set around cars um, and the number of cylinders, the, their names, their, where they come from, the year that they were made, and you can start exploring it right then. So if you were to click on like uh, number of cylinders, uh, you get variations of the of the graphs that include cylinders, mm-hmm. but also like acceleration or the average acceleration, uh, horsepower, and so on and so forth. So you can start to see uh, correlations. You can start to see um, outliers, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Right. So it's really cool. You get you get um, a sweeping view of your data set. Um, uh, organized and kind of motivated through this recommendation system. So I'm always curious about these recommendation systems because uh-huh. there is somewhat 
of a best practice idea and data vids, yeah. although there's always a pushback against, you know, sure, sure. pie charts are good, pie charts are bad, um, <laughs> that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you, do you have a thoughts on, on when you build these recommend, when these recommendation tools about mm-hmm. what should be a part of, of that library and what shouldn't be a part? Or you just say, look, our, the job here is just to let you explore and we're going to give right. you a whole library for good or for, for worse. Well, I think, I think, in this in this case, I think I think the domain is constrained enough that uh, it makes sense. Where they're they're not talking about at this point in the in in the in the process of dealing with data, the time that you would go to Voyager, mm-hmm. um, you're not you're not looking to create uh, an explanatory graphic. You're mm-hmm. you're on the pure explore side, right? And and so with that constraint, and with the constraint of keeping everything kind of consistent, so that you can use very common charts to explore a wide range and diversity of, of, of data types and data transformations. I think, I think it makes sense to have uh, these, this small set of, of graphics that you can continue to work with. Yeah. I know, I know when I do data analysis, I um, typically I'm still in R and mm-hmm. I'm typically using histograms and uh, you know, box plots and, and bar charts as as the primary tools yeah. uh, and scatter plots obviously uh, of of exploration and uh, that's because those you know those tools work so well for for everything now when it comes to time to to generate you know explanations or or uh, presentations around uh, this data then that's when you would start deviating from the best practices and and going with with what makes the most sense to tell the story that you're yeah. wanting to to the audience that you're you're interested in right uh, but yeah i like i mean i'm not a i think automation of this kind of stuff is valuable and can only exist with some some best practices uh in place right and, and adhered to i guess yeah very cool uh before we close up i want to talk about open VizConf, which is yeah. coming up in april april uh, yeah, num- your number four quickly has number become um, sort of one of the uh, important data viz conferences out there, right? I hope so. Yeah, it's 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 uh, supported by Boku and Irene and uh, Lynn Cherney are both co-chairs of it, and it's been really exciting. I've I've had the privilege uh, the to be able to speak at two of them, uh, the first one and the th- third one, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's a really exciting time. Uh, it's 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 a little. It, they have the technical sides. They have the the design side. They have the academic side. Um, we're excited about uh, the speaker lists, the proposals that we've just got in. I get to be co-chair, or no, sorry, I get to be a committee member well, now. Haven't so, made it to co-chair yet. No, no, no. I don't. I don't plan. One, one, has, <laughs> one has to have goals, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Can dream. <laughs> no. Uh, so it's been really exciting to see it from this side. Yeah. Uh, the, of the spectrum too, uh, and it's going to be at the Boston Aquarium. So it, if you go to the website openvizconf.com, you get to see jellyfish and uh, a bunch of you know aquatic aquatic stuff. Yeah, uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be um, that's a that's yeah. a pretty incredible um, place to have it. Um, do you know offhand how many uh, applications or how many submissions came in well, this year? I, I think it was well over a hundred. I mean, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Um, the the amount and the the spectrum of which um, the talks were covering, so yeah. it's going to be really tough to whittle it down. But but I think that's just a win for conference goers. Now yeah. um, I think we're we're going to have a really good lineup. Um, 
we're we're looking at uh, the visualization visualization side, also a bit of the data side, mm-hmm. um, and a bit of a machine learning, you know, or or how those things are combined uh, yeah. in in the world of visualization. So right. it's pretty exciting stuff. That's great. That's great. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be out there. Yeah. Get your ticket. I got my ticket. I'm all set to all right. go. Um, John's going to be there, everybody. So you should be there too. Uh, yeah, I should be there too. <laughs> and uh, I'll put links up to uh, OpenViz and all the other projects that we talked about today. Awesome. Uh, Jim, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. It's been great. All right. Thank you very much, John. And uh, thanks to all for listening. If you have any comments or suggestions on the show, please let me know in the comments on the site or on, on Twitter. And please rate the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. So until next time, thanks for listening. This has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Again, thanks to my sponsor, Juice Analytics. For 10 years, Juice has been helping clients like Aetna, the Virginia Chamber of Commerce, Notre Dame University, and U.S. News & World Report create beautiful, easy-to-understand visualizations. Be sure to learn more about Juicebox, a new kind of platform for presenting data, at juiceanalytics.com. And be sure to check out their book, Data Fluency, now found on Amazon.